Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade, helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. G'day, Woz. How are you? I'm good, Nick. Well, my back's a bit sore. Oh, you, you're hunching there a little bit. What's going on? Oh, I don't know. I just, I think I picked up something wrong in the yard the other day. Easy done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've that got was an terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it relates to our guest, doesn't it? It does. We've got a really interesting guest coming up today. Mm. I was oh. fascinated by today's chat, actually. Really excited to hear a lot of what he had to say it's it's really um groundbreaking and in fact i think he's probably one of the most unpopular people in his industry i love talking to disruptors like that yes because they're yes. i mean that they're, they're they're marked men and women really they're out there pretty much calling into question a lot of what has become accepted um truths within an industry yeah, that agreed. aren't necessarily true. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, whether you look at nutrition or, you know, drugs or um, different trades, you know, building methods, whatever, there are mm. things that just get accepted as truth and fact. And in reality, they're actually not. That's right. And the way we've always done things isn't necessarily the correct way. So it's time to, I don't know, at least listen to these people and have a think about what they have to say, yeah? Yeah, we don't, and I, we don't. I agree, and I think what it does is it gets us to actually start asking some different questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, listeners, in case you're wondering, <laughs> um, <laughs> and and before we jump into the interview with with Dr. David Johnson, who you'll hear us intro, um, we are talking about back pain today on the yes. episode. And look, it is something that affects a lot of tradies, and honestly, just a lot of people because we spend. A, a ridiculous amount of our lives sitting down. And as I say that, I'm sitting in my chair um, mm. in front of my sit-stand workstation, which even though I've got a sit-stand, it probably still spends more time in the sit than it does in the stand, which is dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do stand up at it quite a bit. Uh, and we sit down a lot. We we use our bodies in ways that probably aren't as efficient and, and effective as they should be. And... Um, as Dave said, like back pain is is what did he say? The biggest productivity yes, the leading. killer in Australia, Correct. or something. Yes, That's and insane. also then we went to talk on about oh, there's some amazing stats in this interview. It, it's frightening stuff. Well, it's very scary. It's really scary, and yet I, there's some really great news for tradies. It's yeah. as simple as that. There's some really good positive parts of being a tradie. Yeah, and and like by the end of the interview, I was like, "Oh wow, it's actually really simple to fix." Yes, very simple, and not expensive. No, <laughs> no, and as he says, he he actually doesn't make much money out of giving this no. advice. So no, uh, and yeah. he's on a mission to make himself broke, isn't that what he said? Yeah, run himself he's, out he's, of business. He's trying to put himself out of business, which uh, yeah, yeah. So have a listen to Dr. David Johnson. Um, it was a cool interview. He's a very passionate man. Um, and uh, I love I love talking to people who are just, you know, almost evangelists for the cause. Um, Absolutely. 
But uh, well worth a listen. And look, if you or anybody you know has any issues with back pain or neck pain um, or really just any physical pain issues, chronic pain issues, um, you really need to have a listen to this and, uh, and go check out some of the resources at the end. Agreed. Enjoy. So joining us on the podcast today here at Tradies in Business is a man by the name of Dr. David Johnson. Very officious. I, we've never had a doctor on the show. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. It's, a, it's an honor to be invited onto the, uh, the Tradies podcast. I've just heard all about it. Sounds like you're doing a great thing. So I'm uh, delighted to be on the show. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, it's. I always feel weird referring to a doctor by their first name and not by their uh, their pre. What is it? Pre nominal. Um, <laughs> no, not. I don't. I don't like being called doctor. Actually, I don't like being called doctor. Dave's fine. Dave's absolutely. <laughs> da- fine. Dave works better for our <laughs> listeners too, mate. I think if if we say Doctor Johnson for the next forty five minutes, people are going to get really sick of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's stick with Dave. All like right. That. All right. So. Tell us, mate. You are a doctor, um, and and uh, what, what are you a doctor in, and and what's your experience, mate? And I mean, we'll obviously yeah. dig into to what we want to talk about on the, today's show, but kind of give us a bit of your backstory, mate. Yep. Um, uh, so I am a neurosurgeon, uh, trained uh, in um, most of the tertiary hospitals around Queensland, and a little bit of work overseas as well, but. Um, Currently, I'm working at the St. Andrews Private Hospital in Brisbane City, Spring Hill, and um, uh, our surgical practice is called uh, City to Coast Neurosurgery, uh, primarily because when we first started out, I did a lot of work on the Sunshine Coast, um, and uh, and also, but our headquarters was in Brisbane, and so most of my patients were either Sunny Coast or Brisbane. Um, but now we've sort of really established ourselves at St Andrews Hospital. Um, and my area of interest is really um, in in uh, relation to spine health, so neck pain, back pain, thoracic pain, um, and and really a, a multidisciplinary multidisciplinary approach to managing that because it is a it is a fairly uh, complex problem of, of pain, uh, and you really have to have in, in, in tradies terms, I suppose you could say you need to have multiple hammers. Mm. You, if you've only got one hammer, you can you know, everything looks like a nail is one of the things that we say. And um, in terms of people suffering from chronic back pain, it's a very complex problem. So you've got to have a lot of um, a lot of tools to address those complex problems. And we've established a, a you know I really call it a centre of excellence in back pain management up here at St Andrews Hospital. Uh, with our, our own with our own form of rehabilitation, our own form of pain management, uh, and obviously the surgery side of things is is what I what I do. That's my little part to play, um, and also training up our staff. Mm-hmm. I think we've got about ten. I think we've got nearly ten, uh, 10 staff members now that are that are part of the rehabilitation of um, uh, patients uh, with back pain. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Let's talk about back pain with your listeners. I'm sure there's going to be heaps of tradies who have, have back pain. Um, but yeah, does that does that answer my? I think I think my, you've uh, passed the uh, introduction stage, mate. You, you've done well. <laughs> <laughs> so it it is true. I mean, my dad suffered from back pain 
probably well for as long as I remember. Um, you know, from his thirties uh, and even now, you know, he's seventy five. And he has a lot of chronic pain, a lot of back pain. He hasn't got herniated discs or anything like that, um, mm. but he just has a lot of pain. And he's and he's taken painkillers for probably thirty years. Um, mm. He was a builder, you know, physical worker, manual labourer. Um, and I I guess it's a common story for a lot of uh, you know physical workers that they they end up with this back pain and and you know whether it's between the shoulders or or neck or lower back or all of the above, um, yeah. and and it seems to me that like anything, I guess there's a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding out there about the problem and then the solutions. Uh, what what is the problem, David? I mean, I, I know you're not going to be able to sum that up in less than thirty seven minutes, but yeah, um, yeah, that, that's you you've actually absolutely nailed it on the head there there's a lot of misinformation there's a lot of misinformation um that is that is being put forward by different elements of the back pain therapeutic industry okay mm. if you if we just we don't want to name and shame anybody um but if we just say the back pain therapeutic industry and, and that can be doctors that can be specialists spine surgeons musculoskeletal physicians physiotherapist, exercise physiologist, the whole works, right? Massage therapist, uh, chiropractors, osteopaths, um, acupuncturists, prolotherapists. And now I've just listed off, you know, without taking a breath, <laughs> about 20 different, 20 different um, uh, methodologies uh, that are associated with back pain. <clears throat> now, you can immediately judge from that that if there are that many types of approaches to managing back pain, there's a significant problem um, with the conceptualization of what causes the back pain. Yeah. And and so that's part of the thing. Just Google back pain therapy and you're going to get, you know, 5,000 hits of what to do. And some of them just make no sense at all some of them have elements of science blended in there but it tells us that as a as an industry we are not really uh we ha we haven't got our heads around root cause okay if if you've got a brain tumor um we know you could go to surgeon one uh in uh Townsville and Surgeon 2 in Melbourne and you're probably going to get a fairly similar answer mm. about what you need to do. Mm. Okay, You can go to GP in Townsville, GP in Melbourne. They're probably going to send you along the same path of management. Whereas if you have chronic back pain like your dad or uh, you know your, um, your next door neighbour or your sister or your brother, you know, it's so prevalent that person's going to go to uh, an individual that they Google and their management will be chalk and cheese. Okay. One person will say, just rest it out. One person will say, take this tablet. One person will say, you need Bowen therapy. One person will say, you need an adjustment. One person will say, you need to strengthen your core, you know, and, um, and that's sort of highlighting what the issue with, with back pain is. And, as the, as the years have gone by and, and watching the research, 
the World Health Organization has come out this year in a statement saying that back pain is the leading cause of disability on the planet. Wow. And it's, and it's one of the most common reasons to visit your local doctor. Um, and in terms of economic health burdens, it's, it's one of Australia's top economic health burdens. So every dollar that you're paying in tax, a significant proportion of that goes to people with back pain. Wow. Um, and, and, and these are the, these are undeniable stats. Um, and so you know, my mission, my mission is to try to get out there a, a, a rigid construct for the root cause of back pain. And if we establish, if, if everyone understands what the root cause of back pain is, we can now then start to implement a replicatable management strategy. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's, that's, that's what it sort of boils down to in terms of why, why is the problem so prevalent? With such a complex issue then when we're talking about so many different ways in which we can, I guess, present with back pain, is there any one root cause or is there any one solution that can be applied as a blanket ban for everybody? Um, the complexity, the complexity of back pain, are really downstream phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if if someone, if someone, if you if you sit down with someone who's had ten years of back pain, it will immediately appear very complex. Mm-hmm. But if you wind back the clock in their history, um, it gets simpler and simpler and simpler. Yes, and and so. Um, that's that's when it becomes more funneled in towards a root cause for symptomatic um, degenerative back pain. Sure. So it can be complicated. In, okay. So say someone has say someone has an immune disorder like HLA B twenty seven autoantibody. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an immune condition that. Uh, someone might have it's very rare like we might say one in 50,000 or something and 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 so that person might get back pain because of that autoantibody and we might we call that we, we give that a name we call that ankylosing spondylitis mm-hmm. but the vast majority of people like this is where the the, the low-hanging fruit is the, the real problem it's it really does go back towards a single root cause, mm-hmm. which I, um, I build my management paradigm around. And I say to you, I say to those patients that don't have these rare things, uh, the driving root cause of your back pain symptoms is movement dysfunction, mm-hmm. movement dysfunction. It's a little, it's a little bit like saying, um, why do most car accidents occur? It's not because the wheels are falling off. It's not because of low oil or it's not because the brakes are failing. It's because the driver is not controlling the vehicle well. Mm. And, and, um, and so if we think about what that means in terms of the human vehicle, it's not driving the human vehicle well. Sure. Movement dysfunction means I'm not driving the human vehicle well. Now, 
I'm going to get certain structural breakdown in my human vehicle. And now, now the complexity starts to become apparent, this perceived pseudo-complexity um, where, okay, now what is it that's broken now? Is it my sacroiliac joint? Is it my facet joint? Is it my uh, insertional tendinopathy? And, and now it started to look complicated. Mm. But if I, if I, and a bit like how a motor vehicle would, would have a structural breakdown. So if mm. I'm driving my vehicle poorly, now what is it? Is it the wheel alignment? Is it the uh, wheel balance? Is it the fan belt? Is it the oil? And it becomes complicated. And so you have to take it to a mechanic. Mm. But, but if we wind it back and say, okay, let's drive it really well. Um, now we're going to get 50,000 K out of the tires. Now we're going to get a full 10 years out of our motor car. Yeah. And, and we can do the same with a human vehicle because biomechanics in, in the human body is, is no different to biomechanics in, in, um, in, in non-biological systems. Yep. Okay. Uh, the musculoskeletal system behaves in biology, like, uh, like a, a full criminal lever, uh, on a, on a crowbar. So, so the same principles have to be applied um, in in back pain health as well, in spine health as well. So, my message is: move well, prevent biomechanical stress um, that transfers into biological inflammation. Biological inflammation creates pain and disability and structural breakdown. If you don't eliminate the biomechanical stress, you're going to get structural breakdown. And then the surgeon's going to have to do something, okay, because the surgeon is like the mechanic. Yeah. The surgeon is like the mechanic. Um, and the whole industry is very mechanic-focused, mm -hmm. yep. not, not driving instructor-focused. Yep. The, so, it's, it's treatment, not prevention. Yes. That's exactly it, right? We're all there. Okay, so you've got symptoms now. Let's let's uh, massage your back and let's do some acupuncture. Let's inject a bit of cortisone. Let's take some anti-inflammatories or opioids or endone, all these drugs. These are all targeting downstream problems. But if if we actually said, oh, what, why do you need endone? Why do you need a massage? Why do you need an adjustment? Because you're moving the human vehicle poorly, yeah, and we send you to a human driving instructor, you've immediately got to the root cause of the problem, the seed. Mm. And when you get when you eliminate the root cause, there's no more need for those 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 downstream therapies. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ironic, but I I want to eliminate the need for spinal fusion surgery. I, I want to. That's what I do two days a week is spinal fusions. And my mission is to eliminate the need for spinal fusion surgery. How, I, want to, I, want to, I want to put myself out of business. Yeah, yeah. How many right. of those that you – and I know this is, is going to be perhaps a difficult question to answer, David, but how many of those could have been prevented had they, you know, traced it back to those function, those movement dysfunctions? Oh, I think I think the vast majority. I think um, there's 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 incidents where you have uh, trauma. Okay, so you can you can you can divide trauma into macro trauma, hitting getting hit by a truck. Yep. 
versus micro trauma. Okay, so micro trauma just happens slowly over years and years. Okay, mm. if I get hit, but the end result of years of micro trauma is the same as the end result of I got hit by a truck. Okay, mm. it just happened in one second. Yeah. So, yeah. but the end result, the end result is structural breakdown, and um, that micro trauma can be prevented if you get it in in time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you fall over, have a have a major disc prolapse from from structural trauma uh, or fractures, then yes, you, you know that all happens so quickly that you didn't get time to prevent it. Yeah, uh, and so therefore you need to repair the structure with surgery. Um, but that's you know if you compare how many people are getting hit by trucks <laughs> versus how many people are getting back pain because of a, a ten year. 10-year or 20-year history of moving poorly on the work site, mm. moving poorly in the kitchen, moving poorly in the lounge room, um, you're, uh, you know, it's going to be chalk and cheese in terms of statistics. So those, those micro-traumas, David, what, what are we talking about? Are we talking about you know, picking up a heavy load and tweaking my back or is it even smaller than that? So um, we probably bend about five to 10,000 times a day. And uh, whether it's just a subtle bend, like I'm just bending forward to, to pick up a pick up this pen on my desk, or whether I'm bending forward to pick up a bag of concrete, a cement, you know, bag of concrete, uh, 20 kilos, for instance. In actual fact, the number of trivial bendings, okay, just bending forward to to, to brush your teeth, yep, pick up the TV remote, yep. pick up the newspaper, put something in the dishwasher, those those trivial bendings that you don't even think about far outweigh the um, mm. the 20 kilos, 50 kilo lifts at work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so in, in terms of the damage that's done, it's actually more likely to be represented by those trivial movements. And, um, and there's a different stimulus that the brain receives when you see something heavy. When you see when you see something heavy, your brain goes heavy, um, <laughs> brace, keep a neutral spine, bend over and pick it up. You still may not be picking it up perfectly, but you're starting to put in place safety mechanisms, inbuilt safety mechanisms yeah. that protect the spine in those situations. Um, but when you see a handkerchief or a paperclip, the stimulus of that creates a different motor pattern and so you will more likely move poorly um, and that is going to slowly over time create the micro trauma that creates the biomechanical stress that creates the biological inflammation that creates the structural breakdown pain and disability but when the injured worker goes to see his doctor uh, what does the doctor say he says mm-hmm. you've got back pain because you're in, because you're because you've got a physically demanding job Mm. And it's the wrong, it's the wrong paradigm. It's it, and and that's what um, that's part of the misinformation that exists out there. And and uh, and I I have to retrain that into my patients. Hey, I'm more worried about the way you're moving in the kitchen than the way you're moving at work. And that's... and um, if I make people, if I train people to move well in the kitchen, the lounge room, the bathroom, and at work, 
then I'm, I'm actually rehabilitating someone 16 to 18 hours a day versus a, uh, a visit to the local physiotherapy studio where they might lay down on a couch and get a bit of a rub down, a hot pack, maybe a bit of dry needling and then get given some exercises mm. and then off you go. Mm. That's like one hour max. Mm. It doesn't have the power. It doesn't have the power to actually eliminate movement dysfunction uh, in contrast to I'm going to move well, I'm going to move well in, as my default. Mm-hmm. That's exceedingly powerful on the biomechanics of your of your spine, and that's how we then um, start to reduce inflammation. When we reduce inflammation, we reduce pain, and we can then build capacity on that nice solid foundation of movement proficiency. But if we don't have a if we don't have a solid foundation of movement proficiency, we can't ever build capacity. Mm. Yeah. So. It's it's fascinating because I uh, like like you, David. I do uh, well not as much as you, but I do a bit of CrossFit training as well. I'm a, I'm a level one trainer, pretty passionate yep. about my uh, functional movement, yep. my CrossFit, and uh, yep. um, I watch people in our gym pick up a barbell and they do it really well, and they like you say, you know, they yep. brace their back and the shoulders are back and all that sort of stuff. Yep. But they yeah, go yeah, pick yeah. up a broomstick to do some warm-up exercises and they pick it up yeah. like a sack of potatoes, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I'm so forever they, drilling people on it. Here, here we go. They, this, is, this is their spine when they pick up the, <laughs> the collars, the bar. Okay, so they, they, they pick up the collars like this, but, but when, we, when they actually go to do the squat or the deadlift, they're, they're perfect. Yeah, yeah, right? yep. But that's, but yeah, and that's exactly right because they haven't, they haven't retrained. They haven't retrained the motor patterns to to move proficiently with trivial tasks. Um, so and and there's not many people. There's not many people that are actually trying to uh, teach that paradigm. Mm-hmm. Now you've got that's a great observation. Mm. You've got a uh, a training facility within the hospital there, which. Is essentially a. This is an opportunity for all the haters out there to have a crack. But you've essentially got a CrossFit <laughs> gym inside a hospital. Yep. Are you? We 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 are we do have a, a registered CrossFit affiliate. Um, but in terms of the clinical side of it, uh, it's it's referred to as the Functional Movement Training Center. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, is that CrossFit, like the first the first of its kind in Australia or something, Dave? It is the it is the first functional movement training centre in the world, uh, wow. based in a, in a in a hospital. Okay, every hospital has physiotherapy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, every hospital has occupational therapy and that sort of stuff. But in terms of specific and distinctive movement therapy and training people to move biomechanically proficiently, um, we are the first in the world to deliver that. That's awesome, mate. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really, I think we are, we're sort of rewriting the textbooks a bit in terms of how to, how to try to get on top of this, this epidemic, you know, epidemic of back pain. It is an epidemic. Mm, mm. So, Nick, you go because I'm, I'm hogging the mic here. Wrong <laughs> <laughs> today, um, Dave. I'm really intrigued about the process of teaching people to 
move functionally. I have some experience in CrossFit myself, so I, I understand the basic principles. But when you are teaching, let's use a tradie for an example, it's probably a concept that they're not familiar with. It's something new. How are you teaching them to do that? And then what are the steps that we can use to implement this in our daily life? Okay. Well, my, before, I, before I logged in, I was talking to a feeder and turner. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was a fit and turner, and he had an injury in 2017. Just a very, just a very trivial injury, um, and then uh, he was put off work for a few weeks and given some massage therapy. And what else did he do? Uh, yeah, that's right. He he got told to do some core strengthening. Right. Okay, so to 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 the to most people, you'd think, oh, well, a bit of massage—that's not too bad. A bit of core strengthening, there can't be any harm in that. And so, if he he diligently participated in this in in this advice, and then he he felt like yeah, he got better. He felt like he got better. Sure. He got stronger. He felt like he was stronger. But now, 2018, uh, two months ago, he's he's in the exact same situation that he was in in 2017. Mm-hmm. Now, you'd have to say, well, why has that happened? If he's, if he's done something, if he's taken this advice on board, why has he re-injured himself again just bending over to pick up a bolt? Yep. Um, and the reason is because the massage and the core strengthening did not upskill his motor patterns. Yes. So you can be Mr. Universe. You can have muscles on muscles and and that does not mandate proficient movement. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's really important. So you can – this whole theory about core strengthening to improve back pain is absolute nonsense. Mm. It's absolute nonsense. Like you know, when when someone with with back pain knocks on a Pilates studio – door and says I've got back pain can you help me and they and six months later what do they leave with they leave with a stronger core mm. but they still have back pain mm. okay yep. so it's there's the one hammer I've got one hammer all I can do is strengthen people's core and so what what this patient this veteran turn is going to do now he's going to um participate in a specific and distinctive movement therapy program that starts uh, uh, in week one with with basic uh, awareness of neutral spine positions, mm-hmm. hip-centric rotation, posterior kinetic chain activation during movement, unloading of the knees, and, and him knowing what his proficiency-limited range of motion is. Mm-hmm. So range of motion, if you try to exceed what your range of motion motion capacity is, you immediately fall out of good positions. Mm-hmm. And so pa- patients need to know, well, okay, I can't bend over and do a nice squat to pick up uh, a nail on the ground because if I do it, if I try to do it that way, I'm going to fall out of good positions. Mm. Whereas... Um, if I then say do a if I if I have to do that task, and I do what we call a knight's pose, where you where you put one leg, it's like a single single leg squat or a lunge, mm-hmm. and I put one leg in front of the other, and I I slowly lower my uh, opposite leg, and I maintain that same neutral spine position. I hip centric rotate, and I posterior chain activate on that forward leg. 
now I can achieve the task and I have the adequate range of motion and I haven't fallen out of positions. So that then adds towards building my spine health again mm. on that foundation of movement proficiency. Right. Everything, everything we do has to be built on that foundation of movement proficiency. And, and, and our program just develops that slowly. It's not, something, it's not something that you can learn overnight. You can't learn that in, in one week or one hour. Okay? And no different to if I said to you, Nick, here's a violin. I want you to play me an awesome little um, jingle yes. um, tomorrow. Right, but if I said to you, "Here's a violin. We're going to give you progressions." Yes. Um, and I want to hear something pretty decent in two or three months. Mm-hmm. And you work through those progressions, and then in two or three months, I come back and check up on you, and then you whip it out and, "Whoa, that's awesome!" All right, because <laughs> you progressed. I would still progressed. suck after two or three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, and it's it's hard, but but other. You know, some people find it. Uh, some people are naturally able to develop those motor patterns. Yes. And in fact, in fact, playing the violin is just a motor pattern. It's a motor mm-hmm. pattern that I know how to move my fingers. I know how to move my hand. It's a motor pattern, and I'm training your brain. The exact same motor. We need to do the same and extrapolate motor patterns into daily life activities. Right. And and what um. Also, I don't know whether you know, but I, I coined the, I've coined the term the sport of life. Mm-hmm. Um, like and the sport of life is a sport that we're all participating in. You, me, everyone who's alive is participating in the sport of life. And we should be good at it to have a healthy musculoskeletal system. Now, if you want to be good at golf, go and perfect the sport of golf. Mm-hmm. If you want to be good at playing the guitar, perfect the playing the guitar sport. They're all. It all comes down to motor patterns. Now, I don't really care whether I'm good at the guitar or good at golf, but I want to be good at the sport of life. So I'm going to work on those motor patterns that make me uh, express those movement points of performance that we just mentioned. So hip-centric rotation, posterior kinetic chain activation, neutral spine awareness, unloaded knees, and proficiency-limited range of motion. That's it. Five points. And if that becomes default for you, I can almost guarantee you that the number of spinal surgeries that need to be done in this country and the world would probably plummet, plummet. There, there, would, be, there would be companies that go bankrupt. So you, you would be a fairly unpopular man in your industry, I suspect, David. Yeah, I would, be pretty, <laughs> I would be pretty unpopular because back pain is a $100 billion industry. Yeah. Okay, have you guys read the book called um, or seen it come across a book by Catherine Rahman? Catherine, Catherine C-A-T-H-R-Y-N-J Rahman. Uh, it's called, I think it's called uh, Crooked. I think it's called Crooked and, it's, and the, sub, the subheading is the $100 billion back pain industry. Wow. Yeah, right. And that would, that, would just, that would just evaporate um, if people moved well. And interesting, you both said you did CrossFit. Um, when you learn to do a deadlift well, you know what you're applying? You're applying those five points of performance. Yep. Hip-centric rotation, neutral spine awareness, unloaded knees, um, posterior kinetic chain activation, and proficiency-limited range of motion. It's, it's fascinating uh, to, I guess, see the 
misunderstanding in action as well. I, I, I recall a, a personal example with my parents uh, when I was I, I helped them move house. So they'd been in the, the same house for 40 years. Dad built the house and that's where I grew up as a kid. And yep. uh, about a year ago, they sold. And so I had to go and oh, I didn't have to, but I went and helped my parents clean up 40 years worth of my dad's hoarding, right? Uh, <clears throat> and there was some big heavy blocks of wood and all sorts of stuff around and I went to pick one of these up my dad used to be a very strong powerful um, man you know he's five foot four uh, in his prime in his 40s and, and I just always remember my dad being strong and muscular but he's always had this pain and I went to pick this block up and it probably weighed I don't know 30 40 kilos uh, and I squatted you know, knees tracking out over toes, weight back over my heels. You know, I went to pick it up between my legs and squatted right down, cuddled it, and then went to stand up with it. And my both of my parents yelled at me. They're like, no, 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 stop. You're going to give yourself a hernia. I'm like, no, no, this is how you pick heavy stuff up. They're like, no, you've got to keep your knees together and bend your back. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's why you have trouble with your back. And, and, and so they've been taught, in fact, this is... This is this is workplace health and safety guidelines. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now that 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 is that is incorrect. That is in, where does this come? This comes from Virgin Australia, mm-hmm. or any That's airline, incorrect. to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's on it's on it's on worksite posters. It's on you know mm-hmm. uh, safe lifting um, uh, info, infographics everywhere. But can you imagine <laughs> doing a deadlift like that? That can you imagine doing it? Going to explode their knees. <laughs> Correct. So it's it's breaching those it's breaching those five those five movement uh, points of performance that form the foundation of uh, functional movement training. Mm. You know, because mm. it's knee loading position and it immediately deactivates the posterior chain. If you if you bend your knee like that, you've deactivated the posterior kinetic chain. And if that becomes your default, you now have this very poorly uh, conditioned posterior chain, which then transfers into you not being able to default maintain neutral spine positions and, and the domino effect uh, proceeds uh, to the point of inflammation, structural breakdown, pain and disability. And for our listeners, uh, David, in, in layman's terms, can you explain posterior chain and, and uh, what okay. the issue is so there? The, pos- the posterior kinetic chain is is just a, a, a soft tissue structure of ligaments, tendons, and muscles that runs from the sole of your feet all the way back up your calves, the back of your thighs, your glutes, up, your, up the pelvis, up the back, up the neck, and, and then it, it stops at the top of the head. And it is I can dissect that out of a cart, cadaver. It is a, a real uh, musculoligamentous structure, muscular ligamentous and tendinous structure that is like the rubber band for the movement of your of your skeleton. And if mm. you have a really healthy posterior kinetic chain, it's this rubber band of potential energy. Okay. And and when we move well, that rubber band is tight and powerful and elastic and it allows us to do incredible things like you know, 200 kilo deadlifts and squat snatches and squat cleans and all that stuff that you guys talked about in in, uh, in CrossFit, which is why I love I love the sport of CrossFit because it it sort of inadvertently 
applies those principles that make my patients have healthy spines. Mm. Um, CrossFit says that they are a strength and conditioning program. And, and I say that it sort of is, but it doesn't know that it is also a movement proficiency program. Mm. And it's also it's a sport. Done. It's also a sport, yeah, which is, sport. I think, where um, some of the, yeah. the challenges come from there. But yeah, mm. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of my haters, I suppose you could call them, would say, "Oh, you, you're just teaching CrossFit." I said, "Well, we're not actually a gym. I don't actually refer to our place as a gym. I refer to our place as a movement proficiency center, mm. a functional movement proficiency center, and that's the imperative. That's the discriminator." that determines whether you're going to recover from back pain or whether you're going to develop back pain yep. uh, is do you have movement proficiency? And um, uh, and that's sort of not in the textbooks, I must say. It's no. Not in the textbook. Whereas no. CrossFit is taking it to the next level and saying we're a strength and conditioning program. We're going to make you the fittest on earth. Yeah, and, and that's, and that's make, the sport can, aspect of it, really. Mm. Yes, that's the sport. That's that's like the pointy end of the spear. And... Um, and and why can CrossFit make someone the fittest on earth, whereas triathlon can't, whereas uh, running a marathon, running a sprint can't? Because CrossFit's foundation is um, those movement proficiency points that we, we talked about. I, lo- I love your... Sorry, Dave. This is a bit of a lag on the on the old uh, good old internet. Maybe in the hospital there, they're uh, you know they're. Oh, all... no, mate. I'm, I'm in the middle. Of, I'm in the middle of Brisbane City, and I've still got to use mobile. <laughs> um, if, I, if I plug into a wall, you wouldn't be able to hear me at all. Yeah, yeah. But I, I love your um, your uh, axiom: the sport of life, because uh, you know, but basically, it makes us all athletes. And and you know, I love my CrossFit, and I love the sport of CrossFit. But for me. You know, as a middle-aged man and and a, a dad and and someone who's fairly active, and I like getting outside and hiking and riding my motorbike and and trail running yeah. and climbing mountains and digging yeah. in the garden. I love what my work in the gym, in that functional movement side of things, allows me to do with zero pain. Uh, you know, I can pick up things twice my body weight, uh, and I can do all of that without buggering myself and ending up on the couch for four days afterwards uh, yeah, so it just yeah. it transfers into everyday life wow. uh, and, Absolutely. and i think Absolutely. for for our listeners it's you know they do work hard and they have physical jobs and there's lots of movement and movement throughout different planes that are really you know mm-hmm. putting them at greater risk of those um uh, you know those injuries i guess uh mm-hmm. and all of those those micro traumas as you talk about. So are there some, some simple things that our listeners can pay attention to or change that might, you know, set them down a different pathway so they don't end up coming to see you for a disc fusion? Okay. Well, I can see, let me put it to you this way. Um, If you just say you had two people, you got, you've got a, uh, a brickie, and you've got a bank manager, okay? And the brickie's got to heave a ton of bricks every day, five days a week, okay? Um, and then you've got a bank manager who sits in an office and he's just got to shuffle his papers around and, and go into uh, get stuff out of cupboard every now and then. Every hour he's got to get get a file out. Let's let's presume that both of those people move well, okay? So they're both moving really proficiently. Mm-hmm. 
who would you rather be in terms of developing functional capacity? I'd rather be the bricky. Exactly. Exactly. Because neither of them are going to get injured, okay? Mm. Neither of them are going to get back pain. But who's going to have the greater functional capacity, the bricky or the bank manager? Obviously the bricky. Yeah. Because it's a bit like he's going to the gym 16 hours a day. Yep. Just doing his job. Now, the bank manager is going to be absolutely hunky-dory as well, but his functional capacity is going to be down here and the bricky's functional capacity is going to be up here. Yeah. So so the, the, the message that we want to get to your listeners is that don't think that because you've got a physically demanding job, you're more susceptible to those injuries. Okay, so that's that's where we come back to the discriminator. Mm. In fact, I would rather have a physical labour job move proficiently because I'm going to be a, I'm going to look like Tarzan. <laughs> you already do, mate. I'm going to put a photo of you at a comp with your shirt off. But if I if I'm a bank manager, I'm going to look like a bank manager. It's, it's, both of them need both of them need to move well, right? So so and 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 you can see the tradies that move well. You know, when they when you you're driving down, the, the tradies that move well are just solid, and they have they have that per, they have that crossfitter's physique mm-hmm. because they move well. But the tradies that move poorly, they're broken down, yeah. and yep. they bl- and they brain they blame the work as being the cause for the breakdown and it's not the work it's the fact that they did that work with poor proficiency mm. and that poor proficiency translated into their home environment as well so so does that does that unravel that question um uh, more uh, in a more precise way uh Warwick? well my so my distillation of that is um it's not it's not the work they're doing it's the way they're doing it um, yeah exactly and so the simple changes would be to learn how to move the way yeah. our bodies are meant to um, and stop That's looking it. at the work safe safe lifting yeah. brochure <laughs> because well, it's not true right. and, and and I and I think uh, embrace the fact that you've got a physically demanding job okay embrace that fact that you're you've got to lift and you know hammer and pull out tree stumps do it well and you're going to your capacity is going to be huge and you're going to have a healthy robust spine you're never going to have back pain you might get tired yeah okay <laughs> you might get tired and and might suffer muscular fatigue but that's your body's response to working hard yeah that doesn't equal injury so if we do a heavy workout uh and we go home tired i'm perfectly i feel fantastic I am wrecked. I'm on the ground looking at the ceiling and, holy shit, what was that? Um, but I feel fantastic. Mm. And I recover the next day just through normal normal rest and recovery and I hit it again. And so that's what a, that's what a good trade is doing is, is he's, he's working efficiently, he's working proficiently and he's resting at night and he's becoming Tarzan by going to work. Whereas poor old bank manager – He's just sitting in his office. He's okay. He's happy, but he's never going to be Tarzan. <laughs> or he's or he's spending hundreds of dollars a month and hours and hours grinding away in a gym trying to yes. create that yeah, same functional capacity. You got it. That's exactly right. And that's, that's what I do. Like that's what we do. So we have to pay a gym membership <laughs> yeah. or we, or to maintain that that little trying to get Tarzan into our day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, or Jane. Trade, the work hard. 
Yeah, <laughs> the tradie is lucky. The tradie doesn't have to get it paid for a CrossFit membership. He's doing it every day for 12 hours um, and building up that adaptation steadily over time. So uh, I think Nick, I think Nick's got a question. So yeah. uh, my question is that well, it's not a question. I guess I'm asking for an affirmation. Kids are born with the ability to move functionally, aren't they? <laughs> and somewhere along the way, it goes wrong. Yep, absolutely. So absolutely. where does it go wrong? What are we? What can we do with our children even to make this better? Well, I love it when patients with back pain come and see me, and they they drag their little toddler. They've got their little toddler. And I, I do this quite regularly where I'll, I'll put down something at about knee height, uh, just like on, a, on, on the edge of the chair, mm-hmm. It'll just be like a mobile phone or something. And I just, I get the patient to pick it up and they do it. Com- and then, and then I get the child to pick it up and the child just does this perfect hip hinge or this perfect squat. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the, the patient, the adult will do this weird, uh, Sydney Harbour bridge knee <laughs> like that. I say, look, why? Why do you think your little baby picked it up completely different to you? Yeah. And and the baby, the child, has not been exposed to modern society's domestic cage. Yeah. Okay. So we we are living in this this domestic cage that uh, actively corrupts our movement proficiency. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we we actually know this by if we look at. Um, societies that are non-industrialized, mm. their incidence of musculoskeletal disability is almost zero. Yeah. Gosh. Hip replacements, knee replacements, pain, back pain—it just doesn't exist there. Af- you know, the Africa, northern China, Malaysia. You know, when you go to Malaysia, you still have to squat down to use their toilets. Yep. Yes. <laughs> So they they actively maintain movement proficiency throughout life. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, we go we walk we don't even walk upstairs anymore. We go to a shopping centre. What this shopping centre? No escalators. <laughs> Can you believe that? Can you believe a Westfield shopping centre that didn't have escalators? <laughs> and and that if we bought a suitcase that didn't have wheels, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't pay for it, right? Because modern society just is just in embedding in there the corruption of movement proficiency. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's just so clear to me when you understand, I like the jigsaw puzzle pieces in my latter years of, of, of medical practice are just, they're all just coming to, they're coming, to, they're coming together for me now. And, um, and so that's allowing me to see the, see the, the clear picture. So um, I guess people are going to be listening to this right around the country and they're not all going to be able to get to Brisbane to work with you and the team there, David. What, you know, if someone is listening to this going, yeah, I know, I need to do some work on that, um, what what should they do next? What, what are some good steps for them? We're always happy to help people. We're always happy to help people and... Um, you know, we do we do have uh, in terms of actually receiving our NeuroHab program, um, which is dirt cheap, by the way. It's a, it's not a money making scheme. It, it, it's um, it uh, it doesn't make me any money at all. It's a, it's a service that I need for my surgery. Obviously, surgery makes me money, mm. but in terms of the rehabilitation, that doesn't make me any money. Because a lot of people say, "Oh, you're just you're just doing this to to." you know, create more wealth. It's not. If I'm going to be a surgeon, this has to be part of my surgery practice, right? Yep. Um, yep. Uh, 
Um, we do have centres uh, in Bundaberg um, uh, on the Sunshine Coast and in Brisbane. So there are two centres, there are three centres that deliver the specific NeuroHab program, which is an eight-week program. Yep. Um, but we get calls from people all the time, um, just from word of mouth, friends of friends just will jump on Facebook and look up Functional Movement Training Centre or they'll jump on our website and send us a message. And often if people can spend just a little bit of time with our coaches, they don't need to spend the whole eight weeks, um, but we, we often will customise a bit more of an intensive program for them. So mm. instead of coming two times a week for eight weeks, uh, we might see someone Monday, Wednesday, Friday for three weeks yep. or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for you know two or two weeks and and that's that's often enough to uh allow people to now understand or give them the tools to then be able to continue to um eliminate their movement dysfunction and build capacity Mm. and therefore eliminate their low back pain um because once you've once you've got the foundations you just keep getting better you don't you don't sort of go backwards as long as um as long as you don't let that modern society creep into your lifestyle too much again yep um you know it's like like if you if you went and got uh, eight weeks of golf lessons and you had a good golf coach and from day one you you couldn't hit a golf ball but you then got the eight weeks of lessons or or, or three weeks of lessons or something and then you you never saw that golf coach again but a year down the track you're going to be a pretty good golfer okay yeah. because you've applied those principles that you were taught and you know 3 months later you're okay 4 months later you're better 6 months later you're better 12 months later you're better because you just kept practicing those those points of performance yep and so that's why your handicap comes down because you're you're practicing movement points of performance that were guided to you by the golf coach and we can do the same with patients um, we can give them these movement points of performance that they then go and practice, and they then, then they've got the tools to just keep getting better by themselves. Awesome. And that, that's really important. So uh, I'm assuming you're online, David. What's best uh, place for listeners to go probably, stalk you? Probably the best place to, to touch base with us is through the Facebook page, um, and the Facebook page is Functional Movement Training Centre. Cool. Um for the for specific, specifically the, the spine, um, yeah, you know, obviously we've got city coast neurosurgery is my surgical practice, but in terms of what your what your guys are going to be most interested in is is going to be, you know, how do I recover from a bit of bit of back pain and how do I uh, avoid surgery? Yeah, you know, you don't want to see me. You want to see my movement therapist. Yeah. You don't want to see the mechanic. You want to see the driving instructor. Yeah, that's right. Stop running the car into the curb and breaking the wheels. Yeah, I'm the I'm the mechanic. My coach is around the corner there. They're the driving instructors. Yeah, yeah nice. Well, uh, definitely go check it out, listeners. Um, uh, I, I am a big believer in prevention over cure. There's there's not as much money in prevention, which I think is uh, is sort of the, <laughs> the understory here with there's talking to you, David. But uh, yes. but certainly there's yeah. a lot of um, benefit there for those of us who, who actually want to put the work in. So, mate, thank you for your time today on the podcast. Really appreciate you having a chat to us. I know you're a busy, busy oh, man pleasure. there. And, Thanks, um, Dave. 
we will put all oh, the pleasure, links guys. in the show yeah, notes. Great, great chatting. And if you if your listeners have any questions, just send them, tell them to email it in or, or just jump on the Facebook page and, you know, I don't know, you can sort of send questions on the, on the Facebook page. And I'd be more than happy to answer them because it always strikes up a lot of, a lot of questions about back pain because so many people have it and they've been given so much information. And I said, but my physio said it's because of my disc bulge, but my, you know, so-and-so said it's because I got weak core yeah, and, yeah. and we can very easily impart logic into that thinking. Awesome, mate. Love it. Okay, guys. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks for chatting, guys. I've got to catch up, Warwick, in the, in the near future. Yeah, we'll have to do a comp together one day, mate. Head up, head, come up to the uh, to the mountain to to come um, to, to the front to the frontier. <laughs> the Toowoomba oh, Studio. Okay. Thanks, Thank you, Thanks, Dave. Ciao. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business, and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.